In this episode of the Unfold of Soul Blesses Heart Leadership Podcast, our school's looking kind of raggedy. Things are kind of shabby. Teachers are spending their own money making copies on copies look like sold to us by Fred Sanford. And you telling me we got a juicy discretionary fund? What you talking about, Willis? Welcome to the Unfold the Soul, Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast. This show examines the good, the bad, and the ugly experiences of a leader at that school. The content for this one-of-a-kind podcast will be the real, raw, unvarnished, unedited, and at times uncensored journal entries by the school's former principal. So get ready to lean in, learn, laugh, grow, and at times even gasp with your host, best-selling author, speaker, leadership coach, and status quo disruptor, Ken Williams. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Unfolded Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, the only podcast of its kind. I'm your host, Ken Williams. I want to thank you for listening, for tuning in, for leaving reviews. I ran a little contest last week based on my reference of uh, Three the Hard Way and had three winners, man. I was all giddy to see the emails in my mailbox, man. It was just awesome. So I want to thank Matthew D. Wright, uh, Matthew Borelli, and Sandra Hancock for playing along. Three the Hard Way was a reference to the black exploitation flick from the 1970s, a no award-winning movie with Fred Williamson, Jim Brown, and Jim Kelly, baby. Later in this episode, I will outline how you can grab yourself a five-video showcase on controlling the controllable, something you can plug and play and share with your staff. So stay tuned for more details on how you can grab that five-video showcase. Now, you didn't subscribe to this podcast to bathe in the buttery baritone of this voice. You subscribe to get inside that journal, baby. It's time for the read. Today, I got a taste of registration mayhem, but before I go there, I need to stress just how much I miss my family. I'm writing this from a Chinese restaurant where I'm dining alone, and that sucks. Anyhow, registration is nuts. A 37% student turnover rate is nuts. We're registering 150 new students to our school. That is nuts. As we inch closer and closer to establishing shared mission and shared vision, this has got to be one of the things we talk about. How do we create a school where parents want to stay instead of the kind of school where folks are just passing through and parents are anxious to pull their kids out and take them somewhere else. Here are some random thoughts slash discoveries. One, teachers pay to make extra copies, like beyond what they plan to have copied by an assigned copier. In my walk around the school, I found several aged, old, half-broken-down copiers assigned to different sections of the building. Two, teachers get $50 a year for instructional supplies. Yes, 50 bucks, 5 Three, teachers pay for laminating. They make anchor charts and posters and they pay for it out of pocket. Four, I've got $60,000 in a cash account, like one cash account's got $60,000 available 
to use and allocate. And it's just been sitting there. Random thought number five, I just ordered some sweet ass furniture, baby. Top shelf. With what lay ahead for me, I'm gonna conduct myself as an executive. Random thought number five, I just learned that staff sneak off campus and go to smoke at the quick trip. And random point number six, the word is that folks are finally working for the first time in a long time, and they don't know what to do with themselves. let's unpack. First thing I'm going to talk about is the registration mayhem, the fact that we had 37% student turnover on an annual basis, and we were registering 150 new students to our school. By this time, and it's, believe it or not, still August, I'm well aware of our reputation. I'm well aware of the turnover. Um, it's, it's not like we live necessarily in a completely a transient residential area, it's more about a reputation. You know, parents were pulling our kids, pulling their kids in and out of our school constantly. And I wanted to change that. I wanted to change that narrative badly. And we eventually set about that task with a lot of intention. Here's what I want you to think about in your leadership. I've coached principals, work with schools all over North America. And what I've found in my own experience and my experience coaching is that there's a fine line between context and excuses. I'm going to say that again. There's a fine line between context and excuses. So I'm in a situation where the lowest performing school in the district, the district is the lowest performing school in the greater Atlanta area at the time. And it would, it would be easy for me to turn to that paradigm and just like, okay, this is who we are. This is what we're surrounded with. This is our clientele. You know, our district is in a, a bit of disarray at the board level. And so what else can you expect? That's when you use context as excuses. But again, if you are familiar with my work, if I've worked with you, then you know my mindset. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't become a teacher to wonder if I could make a difference. When I became a teacher, I thought I was the difference. And so for me, as frustrating as these circumstances were, as challenging as it was to turn the tide on this narrative, as hard as the work was, as trying as it was, because I don't want to make it sound like it's just easy to do this, because it's not. But never for a second that I believe this was our destiny. You know, th th to me, that's why I was brought there. You know, it, it wasn't our destiny. And so the fact that 150 new kids were registering every year and we were at 18% uh, proficiency in reading at third grade and we have 37% turnover, those are, those are pretty, that's pretty overwhelming data, but it was never gonna be used as an excuse for me, it was, it was context. It was, this is, this is our baseline data. This is where we are, to, but, but where do we want to go with this? I think my largest frustration at the time is that I'm in the first couple of weeks of my tenure there and I can't just drop everything and get to that right now. Like I, I wish I could have just shut the whole thing down and we're going to take two weeks 
and really pour over who we want to become, you know, who we are and who we want to become. And I couldn't do that right then. I couldn't do it mostly because there were so many small but impactful fires to pull out, put out on a daily basis. There was just no way to do it. There was just, I didn't figure out a way to do it. But I knew we'd have to eventually have that conversation because there was no way I was going to live with myself with this school maintaining this kind of reputation and this kind of narrative. So when you as a leader think about where you are in your leadership, where your school is, is that where you want your school to be? And if you've got circumstances that are currently misaligned with the ideal picture you paint, are you settling for that? Right? Are you settling for that? Do you, do you see your circumstances, whatever it is, you know, socioeconomic circumstances, uh, the, the income level of your clientele, um, maybe dysfunction at the, the district level, whatever it is, change in demographic, and I say that sarcastically, like all these things that are often used as excuses, there's that fine line between looking, that, looking at them as context, things that we're, we can change, the data we need, the feedback we need, to, to chart our course and excuses. Here's why we are where we are. And we're going to do our best every day and be in survival mode, but our circumstances rule the day. I just, I just couldn't tolerate that. I, I there, there's no way I could. And I made tons of mistakes on our way up and out of the abyss. But one thing I was absolutely sure about was that this was context. This was context. And I didn't care. No part of me wondered if our population needed to change for us to get better. No part of me wondered that. I knew that we had to get better. We had to make some decisions. We had to think differently, talk differently. We had to act differently. We had to teach and lead differently. I had to support differently. Like all these things were running through my mind and my biggest frustration was I couldn't get to it that day because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get to it that day. So I leave you with the question to ponder. Is the culture you have the culture you want? And for whatever reasons exist that your culture is the way it is right now, are you responding to those issues as context or excuses? Have a real honest conversation with yourself because your actions and what you allocate and how you spend time and how you devote resources is going to tell on you in one way or another, which leads to our next unpacking point. Let's talk about how my teachers were burdened with paying for extra copies and um, instructional supplies and, uh, and also paying for laminating. It's, while having $60,000 in discretionary funds, like, you know, so in our district, discretionary funds were meant I could use them at my discretion, but I had no idea the money was there. And you wouldn't walk into our building, look around, and think that there were 60 grand sitting around, you know, waiting to be spent. And I, I'm not going to, you know, wonder why it wasn't spent. I'm not going to, I didn't talk with the, uh, the previous leader, you know, before I got there. All I'm going to tell you is the situation that was in place doesn't send the message, in my opinion, that you, staff, have the talent and the goods to ensure 
our students learn at high levels. It also didn't say, in my opinion, that, that we valued the talent of our teachers. And so I wanna, I wanna make a change. Even more than the money itself, just the tools that were available for teachers to use, the whole copier thing still blows my mind. The best example I can give you is during the summers when I was in college from 1985 to 89, I worked at a bank as a teller. This is the mid 80s. And I want you to picture every school you go to, every district, there were these huge white copiers. They're one big piece. They've got a thousand moving parts and they get the job done. There was no copier like that at my school. So I, I worked in a bank and I remember that the, the copiers that were in the hallways, coin operated, reminded me of the ones that I saw at National Westminster Bank on Montague Street in Brooklyn, New York in the summers of 1985, 86, and 87. And at the time in 1985, 86, 87, those were, that was cutting edge technology. But they're just a little wider than I am and I, I think I'm painting a picture for you. I started teaching in 1992, and at the elementary school where I worked, we had one of those big, white, state-of-the-art NASA-looking copiers. And so it's not like this was, you know, not like copier technology hadn't, you know, uh, advanced. It's that we hadn't advanced. And so there were three or four of those super old, barely working, half broken down, but the coin operation does work, copiers in the hallways. And it just it just blew my mind that we didn't have a better system and teachers, you know, had to bear the burden of making extra copies. And I've heard of schools kind of putting a cap on copies being made because their perception was that there were way too many worksheets being used. But this wasn't the case at my school. This was just a matter of this is the way it's been. Um, instead of buying a new copier, we're going to you know, put some duct tape and stick a piece of gum where the button used to be. And as long as it works, we're going to keep working it. And so I, I immediately ordered a copier. And I can't tell you, you, you'd have thought I bought everyone a brand new car when that thing arrived and was put in place in our staff workroom um, and, and the old copiers taken out of the hallways. And people looked around like, I can use this? You mean I can use this? I'm like, yes, you can use this. Aside from the basics of getting rid of just a bunch of raggedy copiers, I wanted to send a message to staff that you were worth investing in. Like you were worth this investment. Our work is that important, that complex, and you are the talent, and I need to invest in the talent. Hey, and I'm not immune to that feeling either. I mean, I, I needed to feel that way as well. I told you, I invested in some sweet-ass furniture, you know? I mean, this is a, a, a tough gig. You know, we had the funds to do so. I wanted to look and feel the part. It, it just makes a difference. Maybe I'm shallow. I don't know. But listen, take the cold COVID shutdown, for example, you know, we're doing a lot of work on Zoom, and I'm not going to lie to you, some days it'd be 
business on top and party on the bottom. You know, I'm wearing lounge pants with a nice uh, shirt and tie. And th- and that's fine. And I guess that's a perk of working from home. But I have to admit, on the days, most days, when I got up and I dressed up, whether it was in a polo shirt or a suit, when I had my entire work outfit on, even when the result was going to be people are only going to be able to see from my chest up, I felt better. I felt more like a professional. And I needed to feel that. And that's why I emphasized purchasing the office furniture. And that was a major ancillary benefit of me purchasing that copier for our staff. Like All I could do was shake my head. And the one thing that made me feel better was the la- one of the last random thoughts where uh, the word is that folks are finally working for the first time and don't know what to do with themselves. I didn't finish that entry and I still remember it like it was yesterday. The word on staff was, damn, we got to work. And <laughs> I was like, hell yes, you got to work. But again, I'm not disparaging my staff members because I believe they were one in survival mode and two, they were void of real directional leadership. And so, you know, culture eats structure for lunch. So it didn't matter what resources were in place at our school. The prevailing culture wasn't that of moving kids to high achievement or valuing teachers as the change agents for that kind of learning. A quick word from our sponsor. Um, Unfold the Soul is a sponsor. That's my company. I don't have any sponsors, man. This is me. But listen, I enjoy this podcast. Um, I feel more and more comfortable each week, but it doesn't pay the bills, baby. It's free. Daddy's got to eat. And I eat by helping schools and districts lean into their collective expertise and deliver on that promise of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background. I coach leaders and help schools set up cultures of learning for all. I'm an expert in the PLC process. I love the messy people side of things. And so if you're interested in having a conversation about how we might be able to partner, please contact me at unfoldthesoul.com slash contact. That's unfoldthesoul.com slash contact. Time for some questions and challenges for you. You're going to hear this theme come up a bunch in future episodes, but I might as well lay the foundation right now. If I had to describe the primary role of the principalship in under 20 seconds, it would be this. The principal's job is to hunt, gather, protect, and defend. Hunt and gather everything teachers need to get the right work done. And so when I think about this episode, my job is to hunt and gather what they need. And it's going to be eventually about instruction, but in the beginning, it was about getting them the right kind of technology so they can make copies efficiently. I didn't even mention in the reflection, but I'll, I'll hit it here. $50 a year for teacher supplies is, it's a joke. It was a joke 15 years ago. It's a joke today. It was a joke 30 years ago. What, what message am I sending allocating $50 a year for teachers to purchase supplies? 
even in years where teachers have several hundred to purchase, they're always using their own money anyway. And so it, to me, it, it's a value proposition. I want to hunt and gather what teachers need. In the beginning, it was about sending them a message that they are the talent and worth investing in. Later on in future episodes, you're going to hear Hunt, Gather, Protect, and Defend in terms of being sure that folks are armed with the right best practice, and then you got to defend that that stuff is being done with fidelity. you got to defend the fact that you're providing them with the resources and supports to get that work done. Hunt, Gather, Protect, and Defend. Second thing I want to leave you with is this, is the school culture you have, the school culture you want. Be sure to think long and hard about that fine line between context and excuses. Take stock of where your school is and whatever the prevailing story is, whatever the prevailing uh, narrative is about your school, is that the narrative you want? And do you understand that you and your staff have the power to change it? My last point of question and challenge for you is this. Do you understand that you're always always, always on. I mean, this entry really underscored that for me. You know, when my staff talked about the word is that folks are finally working for the first time and they don't know what to do with themselves. And I told you the mantra around school was, damn, we got to work. Well, outside of the first staff meeting and a couple of staff newsletters here and there, I promise you, I'm putting out so many ridiculous dysfunctional fires that we hadn't even established professional learning communities at our school. We hadn't established the need and power behind collaboration. None of those things were in place. However, just from watching me, staff knew that a new day was coming. And that new day involved, we got to do some work. We got to work. Like we have to work for the first time in a long time. And so, of course, we want to over-communicate what's most important to our teams, and then we want to bend over backwards to provide them with the resources and supports to make it happen. But some of that message was already leaking out, apparently, by my actions. And so we are always, always on. I remember feeling, you know, I was a little bit <laughs> miffed, uh, annoyed, and sometimes overwhelmed when I reviewed that day, which is why I did it in bullets. But I can tell you that last part of that entry about the word is folks are finally working for the first time. That just, it just gave me a sense of peace that while I hadn't stated that explicitly verbally, and again, we hadn't established learning communities yet, folks were watching and taking cues from what they saw. You know, I guess there's some, in there some quote, like what you do speaks so much louder than what you say. So keep that in mind. We are always, always on. As promised, here's how you can be part of our show. I don't know a ton about the politics of podcasting and all the analytics. I, I am aware, however, that the more reviews you have posted, the more likely you're going to be seen, the more you show up in searches and I, I, I want to show up in searches. So I'm not here begging for five-star reviews. That drives me nuts, by the way, when service providers are like, hey, uh, so give us five stars. I'm like, well, how about you give me service first and I'll decide how many stars. So I'm, I'm not asking for five-star reviews. I'm asking for reviews. 
you know, I, I want I want you to be, you know, honest about your review. I just need some reviews. So here's what I'm offering. In exchange for you writing a review, and you're not limited to iTunes and Apple, but that's where a majority of our listeners uh, take in our podcast. In exchange for a review from you, you will have access to a video showcase of five videos that I've recorded, all with the theme controlling the controllables, which it's a pertinent message for all times. It is most definitely a message if you are listening anytime close to when this is being recorded. And so it's, it's got universal appeal. It is a, um, it's an evergreen theme. Evergreen meaning it has meaning no matter if, if circumstances are super positive or negative or we're going through crisis or not. Controlling the controllables is a powerful theme. And I will give you access to five of my videos. If you follow me on social media, on Twitter or Facebook at, at Unfold the Soul, you know that I create, edit, and produce lots of two-minute videos that many leaders have taken and leveraged as kind of PD on demand, which flatters me a lot. And so you'll get access to five a five-video showcase. You'll click, and it's right there for you. I will make the videos downloadable for you to use on whatever platform you like with your staff or your team. All I ask is that you either upload a screenshot of your review or cut and paste the text from your review on the page. All the instructions will be right there. Just go to unfoldthesoul.com slash review. That's unfoldthesoul.com slash review. Once you've uploaded the screenshot or cut and paste the text from your review, then you'll be provided with the link to that five video Control the Controllables Showcase. On the next episode of the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart Leadership Podcast, I've been putting out fires, dealing with issues, swatting flies like a whack-a-mole expert. I mean, just one by one all over the place. I've met some students here and there, met some other parents here and there, but it was time for us to have our first school-wide assembly where everyone would meet me at one time. I was ready, baby. Had my aqua velva going, I was suiting and booting, but when I walked into that room, my whole bottom half tightened up because my first thought was, damn, this school is big. That's it for this episode. I'll see you in the next episode. No matter how tough things are, know that there is a silver lining lying next to you in your bed every day because here's a fact. When you wake up on the right side of dirt, you playing with house money, baby. You playing with house money. You've been listening to the Unfold the Soul Bless His Heart podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit unfoldthesoul.com.